Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss where do steel properties come from? Welcome, Carly. Thank you, Miles. I'm excited about this one. I, I like getting some basics and understanding the whys, and I also like watching your face light up when you talk about steel. Well, it's, it's not quite a religious experience, but we'll see if we can turn it into one <laughs> for our listeners' uh, spiritual health. Well, that's a scary thought, but hey, let's jump into it. So, in the beginning was the chemistry. <laughs> in the beginning was the chemistry. <clears throat> the chemical composition is what ensures that the steel can, in fact, obtain the properties that we desire from it as an engineering product. At the time that it's first solidified, it's cast, its chemistry is locked in. And the most important chemi chemical that makes up steel while iron is the majority of it, is carbon. Carbon is what gives it its properties. You are always talking about carbon. I know that's a big one. Yeah, well, the real estate lady told us location, location, location. In college, it's carbon, carbon, carbon. So Carbon, 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 carbon for steel. It is. Okay, all right. So we have this list here, mm -hmm. and you're going to help me understand what all of this means. I will. So the first definitions we're going to look at are the definitions that are affected by carbon. Oh, I see the segue. Very okay. nice. So the mechanical properties are a function of carbon content. More carbon, higher strength, higher hardness. Lower carbon, lower strength, lower hardness. And just like the carbon helps achieve these properties, You'll see manganese on your chem cert, and about six points of manganese acts like it was one point of carbon. So manganese is also at play in, in our explanation here. So higher manganese, that acts as a substitute for carbon, and it also ties up the sulfur, which would otherwise bond with the iron, and then the steel wouldn't be very good. So we've got the manganese, it ties up the sulfur, it acts a little bit like carbon, and we get properties like hardness. Hardness, okay. I've, I've seen in our visits the, the different machines that yeah. test for Grinnell, hardness. Rockwell, right? Yes. Yeah. So hardness is resistance to penetration. Okay. Some folks would say resistance to abrasion, but in steel, we're not abrading, we're not rubbing it, we're trying to put a diamond or a hardened steel ball into it. So hardness, resistance to abrasion. Hardness is not difficult. <laughs> In English, we use the word hard to mean difficult or tough as a manner of speaking. In metallurgy and steel, hardness specifically means resistance to penetration. Okay, well, you just walked into my next question because toughness is the next one on the list. And what's the difference between hardness and toughness? Well, toughness has nothing to do with penetration or resistance. It's how much force the steel can withstand before it fractures. It okay. would literally break, right? 
And so there are impact tests, they're called the Sharpie test or the IZOD impact test, little groove specimen, hit it with a weight and you break it and then look at the fracture. So you just keep hitting it until you, you hit until it. No, you break you it because you want to Yo, find it, out. It's it's one hit. These are these will break. Oh. And we do this at different temperatures, like minus forty. You know, if if you have gasoline yeah. and it came from the Arctic pipeline, that pipeline needed to have very high toughness at low temperatures. Ooh. Which means add more chemicals. <laughs> All right. Well then the next word on here is strength. There's tensile strength. Tensile strength? Am I saying that Tensile, correctly? Tensile, yes. Tensile strength. It means intention. So I'm pulling it. How much force is required to break a single piece of material under tension? So let's imagine, I just saw Jurassic Park. Let's say those two T-Rexes were fighting over a single 505 specimen I'm of sure. steel, right? Okay, let's pretend. And each one pulled. Uh-huh. Okay. When it broke, the amount of force that those two T-Rexes had to pull that son of a gun, that would be the tensile strength, and it's per square inch in our system. So that there's, we know the measurement of the diameter. We know how much poundage. We pull it in a machine. You saw the machine at I've Eaton. I've seen those, yeah. Saw yeah. it at, at I didn't Chase. know that's what we, they were doing. We saw it, yeah, right. That's tensile strength. Tensile. Pulled okay. in tension. But that's tension. So then what's yield strength? Well, the yield strength is actually more important. So we think when it breaks, that's, that's pretty important. Right. But from an engineer who's designing a piece of equipment, mm -hmm. what's more important is how much force can it take before it changes and doesn't work anymore? Oh, okay. Okay, so breaking, it has failed. But if I deform it and it, it yields. It hasn't broken yet. It's yielded. But it no longer performs as I designed it. So the yield strength is how much force the material can withstand before permanent deformation, before it, it changes and can't be put back. Okay, so hardness is about the penetration right. and the toughness is about the fracturing. Right. And then there's tensile strength, which is the, the, uh, the tension. tension. Pulling right. under tension. And yield strength is is before it permanently deforms. Right, before it bends. So I can, I can hold a piece of wire and I can put a little force on it. And if it comes back exactly straight, I didn't deform it. It did not yield. When I bend it and it won't go back anymore, it has yielded. It has yielded and it, it can't has go yielded. back. So the yield strength is permanent deformation. And it gets, it's fancy. There's 2% two to, two offset, 2 tenths of a percent off. There's all kinds of technical things about yield strength. But for our purposes to understand it, it's how much force can it withstand before it takes a permanent set. Okay, so then the next one on the list is ductility. And I have no frame of reference for that. So ductility... Ductility is interesting because it's not strength. It's how much stress can it withstand without breaking. So stress is measured in inch per inch. <laughs> okay. Not pounds per inch, inch per inch. How inch much, per inch. How much can I, I don't want to use the word stretch, but that's probably a good lay term yeah. for it. So how many, how much, what percent of it, how long, much longer can I make it until it breaks? 
So instead of how much force to make it longer, it's how much longer until it breaks. Okay, so that's a, a measure. That's a measure, and it's a percent elongation. So I started out at this length, I've stretched it 10%, and that's, that's my ductility. So ah. uh, percent in a gauge length, a gauge length typically being two inches in cold drawn and eight inches in some of those other products I didn't spend a lot of time with. <laughs> so okay. that's it. So that's what chemistry gives us in terms of properties. Okay, but then what about process? Well, that's a great question because that steel just poured out of the, out of the ladle. Mm -hmm. It's an as-cast structure, and so it will have as-cast properties. So to make it into a bar or something we can use, we need to hot work it. We're going to elevate the temperature, get, get the crystals all into one state, and then we're gonna roll it. We call that hot working. And Is that the same as hot rolling? It is, hot rolling, hot working. It's plastic deformation. It's plastic because it's hot enough. <laughs> Okay. 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 It's and still steel, but it's, you're it's, using plastic as an adjective. Right. Okay. Right. So th the thing that probably got me into this whole metallurgical deal was, as a little kid, my mom bought me a toy. It was plastic. Okay. And she also bought me a little toy airplane. It was a race car. It was plastic. And a little toy airplane that was steel. Okay. And... The plastic, my dad said the plastic was tougher than the steel. And I said, how could plastic be tougher? But I could, I could bend and wiggle that plastic sides of that plastic car all day. Nothing happened. Yeah. Bend the wing right off of that silly plane. Oh. Right? Okay. Okay, it, it wasn't plastically deformable. It was, had been cold worked and stamped and everything. And it was, you know. And so that, that, that piqued your interest. That was it. Why is... Plastic? Why a soft plastic top? Hey, I would have thought growing up, you know, you got the man of steel. That's the toughest thing going. Apparently, the man of plastic it is, was, could have beat the was, man of steel. It was, it was about words. The wor <laughs> words have meanings. And plastic, tough, you know, it was crazy. So the, the next thing we'll talk about after we go through this hot working and, and its, its twin alter ego cold working mm -hmm. is these change the microstructure of the steel especially the hot working because when it's cast it basically you you know in the winter you look out on the on the window and you'll see these they look like trees the frost oh, forms yeah. these beautiful they look like ferns almost mm -hmm. right i've seen that yeah, yeah right that's called a dendrite oh that form is called dendrite. I thought it was just called, called a pain in the backside because yeah. I had to scrape it off. No, but that 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 form that that, that paints that that Jack yes. Frost that's a dendrite. When we cast steel, it it's dendrites, and dendrites don't have very good mechanical properties at all. By hot working it, we roll it out and we get a nice uniform microstructure and one that's kind of you know flow lines with the rolling and gives us the, the properties that are useful for hot rolled applications. So that makes sense, the processes, we're going through the processes to change the properties. Exactly. Okay, well, and cold drawing and cold working, we saw that, that, that I saw a couple of times on our mastery program. You did. 
yes. And that changes properties too. It does. It increases the hardness. At the same time, it increases the tensile strength of skosh. The yield strength comes up significantly. And there's no free lunch, even in, you know, religious metallurgy today. <laughs> and so we do that by making an offering of our ductility, where we might have had 40% elongation in the hot roll or 30%. We could, we could get down to 15% or 10% in some cases. And Lord help us if we get the single digit percent elongation and want to do further cold work like thread rolling, <laughs> that will be a non-starter. Sacrifices must be made. Right. So the cold, cold drawing is a cold working process. And the material is strengthened by plastic deformation, like the videos I showed. Yes. You could see where, where the tool touched it, it, it moved to surface, to steel on the surface. It deformed it, it cold worked it, plastically deformed it. And that's work hardening. And so you don't have to use fire on carbon steel to get it to be harder or to get the strength higher. You can cold work it as well. Okay. You've got such a satisfied look on yes. your face right now. It cracks yes. me up. Okay, so now I'm looking at thermal treatments. Well, that's, that's the third of the Godhead. <laughs> that's the third <laughs> of the Trinity, right? So we have chemistry, we have work processes, and now we have thermal treatments. So we're all familiar with, we all have this, you know, cultural thing that fire makes steel hard. Yeah. But in reality, raising the temperature actually softens the material. It's called annealing. Really? Really. So after cold working, that steel will be too brittle, that single digit percent elongation, right? right? So, so if we want to actually be able to do further processing, we need to let the steel relax. We need to anneal it. We need to soften it. And by heating it and then allowing it to cool slowly, the tensile strength and the yield strength and the hardness will reduce and will actually recover some of that ductility as measured by elongation. And we want that because then it's easier to work with. Yeah, and it's not like a glass rod that'll just snap. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, tr imagine <laughs> trying to thread roll glass. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've heard annealing. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. I didn't totally understand it yeah. until now. Yeah, so it's actually uh, softening, and it does that by changing the microstructure. as well. It relieves the stresses that are in there that you can't see, but at the same time, uh, it can. there's two forms of anneal, a lamellar perlitic anneal, where the carbides phase in the, in the steel form like plates, like formica or like cardboard, right? You just, mm -hmm. Like particle board, you just, they're just plates. And the other one is sp <laughs> spheroidization, a spheroid anneal. You just spit all over your microphone yeah. when you said that. That's okay. The, the screen doesn't make any noise. Yeah. Okay, so next on the list, I can't even say this word. Austinitize? Austinitize. Austinitize. And quench. And austenitize is, that's the extreme. So the anneal, we took the heat up only so far, and we allowed the material to kind of relax and recover. But austenitize, we're actually recrystallizing it. We're driving all the carbon back into the iron, the ferrite, right? Mm -hmm. We're dissolving it all. 
it's all dissolved in, it forms this big austenitic chunky kind of uh, structure. And then if we just let it cool, it would be like hot roll. Yeah. But we don't, we quench it in oil, we quench it in water, we quench it in polymer, we quench it in a slate. No, that was the Romans. But, <laughs> but we quench it, draw the heat out so fast it can't get to make its normal equilibrium structure, ferrite and perlite, and it forms a thing called martensite. And this stuff is really, really, it's really hard structure, really boosts the mechanical properties. So rapid transformation makes a very hard uh, microstructure and it's very brittle. You can literally, if you don't temper it timely, I have been there where over a shift change, the guy at the heat treat says, yeah, I'll let the second shift get it. And you know, these door returns, Yeah, they were, <laughs> they, they were going ping, 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 Ooh. sitting there waiting to be tempered. So it's you a need timing to, thing. Yeah, you need to need to relax that because that martensitic structure is just holding so much energy. So if you relax it, give it a little bit of temper, you know, 700, 800 degrees, and allow it to calm down a bit. <laughs> and we saw that in Eaton Steel. We did see that in Eaton Steel. On Mastery Program. Look so, at me. Yeah. Connecting the dots. Look at that. So tempering relaxes those internal stresses, reduces the hardness, increases ductility. And by the way, when I have high strength, you know, high hardness mm -hmm. and ductility, that's toughness. It's tough. It makes it tough. It's not brittle. It's tough. It's hard, tough. but soft, right? Hard, but soft. That's pretty tough. Uh, okay. Right? Hard, okay. Yes. Right? Yeah. It, it's your, it's like your race car. Yeah. All and, right. and so um, how does it do it? It relaxes some of the stresses. If you had a good enough microscope, you could see it probably precipitate some carbides out. But in the steel mill, I wasn't looking for precipitated carbides. I was just <laughs> looking for hardness, bulk mechanical properties. So we talked about hardness and under treatments, there's hardenability. Right. So, so there's a word called latent. So imagine if you had an old film camera. Okay. And you take a picture with the lens. You take the picture, and on that film, there is a latent image. That's not helpful at all. I know that, but here's the thing. <laughs> okay. It's there, but you can't see it. <laughs> okay. Okay. The idea here is potentially I can get this hardness from this chemistry in this material. The property to be hardened is latent in that steel. We have to develop it, and we develop it by austenitizing <sighs> and quenching. Okay. Okay. And now it makes sense. Now that's so, useful. Sorry about the latent and the potentiate. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. We got but, there. We got but, there. But so hardness is its current state. Okay. Hardenability is its ability to achieve that desired state. Okay. And so we we call that uh, an old metallurgist named Jomini actually created the Jomini test. It's an end quench where you get the steel red hot, right, austenitize it, mm -hmm. and then you hit it on the bottom. It's a little specimen. You hit it on the bottom, and then you take a hardness survey up every sixteenth of an inch. 
and then you get a range of hardnesses. That's hardenability. So hardness, what it is now, hardenability, what can be achieved by austenitizing and quenching. The tempering, you have to allow for the fact that it's going to be brittle as quench, so you have to temper it back. So you can't just say, oh, this is, this is 60, you know, if I've got to temper it back, you know, 58 might be what's actually usable. So, so tempering a bit, that's tempering, which is that, next on our list. That, is it? Well, yeah. Yeah, so that, I just walked right into that yeah, one. Thank that you. Yeah, just relaxes the internal stresses. That tells that Martin site to calm down. Okay, so then precipitation hardening. Yeah, so I, uh, this is where I, I can, can I call a friend? <laughs> I want to call Bob Drab. <laughs> I'll call Bob Drab on precipitation hardening. So Bob's experience was with uh, stainless. Yeah. And so there's 17.4, there's a lot, 15.5, there's a bunch of pH steels. And pH has nothing to do with hydrogen ion concentration like it does for the rest of the chemistry world. It's precipitation hardening. And they add um, copper, they add columbium, they add tantalum. Uh, you might see niobium on the cert. That's how the uh, rest of the world calls columbium. Um, these things actually create carbides that can precipitate out, and that changes the stress level in the crystal structure, and so we get different properties. And that boosts your impact properties, makes it tougher. So be a good thing for sub-C or something where I've got real high chemical activity, high temperatures, and still need to have good mechanical properties. So here's a rookie question. I'm looking at these thermal treatments. Is it you need to pick one or a lot of these work together? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's really good. So it's like your wardrobe. Where are you going today? You're going out to work in the garden? Mm -hmm. or you're going to the fancy, fancy meeting, right? So the, the anneal, I'm going to anneal because I want to bring my properties down. I'm going to osnotize and quench because I want to, I want to be pretty fancy. I want to, I want to have <laughs> high, high strength, high mechanical properties, right? The hardenability tells me which steel I should pick to do either one of those. And that's all based on the carbon. <laughs> Back to carbon. Back to carbon. All based on carbon. <laughs> How do we do that? <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So carbon is what makes steel steel. Otherwise, it's just iron. Carbon makes steel steel. Yes. I like that. Yeah. That's simple. Carbon makes steel steel. But it doesn't make it steel with an A. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. So, all right. So car carbon is the biggest influencer when it comes it, to properties. It is. That's 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 the number one takeaway, Carly. All right, and then hot working improves the ductility. Yes, makes it workable out of that casting. That casting is sitting there brittle in the dendritic structure. And then to enhance tensile strength, yield strength, and hardness that's cold working that's cold working and that comes at the cost of ductility yay hey! thank you donald she can be taught <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the the microstructure that's where the thermal treatments thermal come in. treatments are used if there's enough carbon if there's enough carbon we can change that microstructure and that changes what I call the bulk 
mechanical properties. I mean, if you had a microscope, you could say that little bit right there, it's harder than that little bit right there. But in bulk, in bulk, across the section of the bar, you know, the, the, bulk, mic the bulk mechanical properties, that's how you do it. Well, see, and I thought when we were asking the question, where do steel properties come from? Actually, that question's a lot like, how do you drive a red car? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> how do you build a red car? Yeah, well, it didn't come well, from the cabbage patch. A <laughs> lot, lot of pieces, parts. <laughs> that wraps up today's podcast on where do steel properties come from? Uh, carbon. <laughs> carbon. <laughs> carbon. Everything or else, else is just iron. Yeah, everything else <laughs> is just kind of fussy. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources. I think you're putting videos up, if I'm not mistaken. We do. We have um, recorded sessions from the tech conference. I've got a 12 up so far with four or five more to go. And those are free to the people who attended? Yep. And then, and it's members only either way. Okay. You've got to be a member to have access to them. But if you attended the tech conference, you can watch it for free. And if not, there's just, there's a fee. But a it's nominal fee, but nominal members fee. only. Members only. So, yeah, other resources. And then you don't want to forget to rate and review and subscribe to this podcast because obviously you don't want to miss one. I mean, where else would we hear about potentiate? <laughs> <laughs> If you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, you're going to miss a bunch of videos. Be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. <laughs>